0: Fucking rights edition of Spin Cycle, the media show that tries to make sense of the chaos that is our 24 hour news cycle. Um, our guest this evening asked if she was allowed to swear on air, so I thought I'd just set the tone <laughs> yeah. right at the
1: top. I, I guess we should also just issue a blanket language <laughs> warning for the next <laughs> hour. For the next hour. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, we are broadcasting from the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, lands for which a sovereignty has never been ceded, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. I am Jess Lilly and in the studio with Cracky's Charlie Lewis. We're going to be joined by Natalie Felix who wrote a piece this week headlined Seven News Spotlights episode on detransitioners is a lesson in how anti-trans propaganda is spread which was published on the all the heterosexual nonsense i was forced to endure substack which is a terrific substack and i encourage everyone to read it um, and we did think it was about time to revisit this topic because um, they just keep on these hits keep on coming um and natalie's got uh loads of uh awesome stuff to tell us how uh, why it is complete nonsense Uh, But first up, Charlie, the Press Council finally handed down a a finding after a complaint Louise Milligan made two years ago against The Australian after they uh, named her and Sally Neighbour, uh, fellow ABC uh, reporter or producer, Sally is, um, in a particularly vitriolic editorial... And uh, what did the Australians say, and what is the huge price they have to pay, Charlie?:
1: <laughs> Well, God there's all right you've given me a lot to unpack there. Um, yes, no, it's, it's, so essentially the the press council found that they had uh, misleadingly and unfairly led their readers to believe that uh, Louise Milligan was associated with bad, lazy, and deceitful journalism in a piece that was uh, put out in a 2021 editorial. Um, so essentially the the horrific price they have to pay. Uh, so yeah, so this was um, as, as you say. The the editorial was uh, so the subjects of good journalism, of important journalism, lie in dissemble. And they said the most dangerous enemy of the journalist is bad, lazy, deceitful journalism. They tried to argue that Sally Neighbour and um, Louise Milligan, the, the the journalists who were named in that editorial, were not the subject of it, but they were the only people who were mentioned. In, yes, they in, were, were the
0: only names put forth and quite and early in their I, thesis.
1: And I think it's worth noting that for all that you know, we all kind of. Shake our heads and go, Well, that's what the Australian would write about ABC people. But even a bunch of former News Corp people quite high up were like, That was a bit weird. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, Chris Mitchell, who is um, someone who has always been very courteous to me when I've spoken to him, but is uh, an old culture warrior and was the um, kind of one of the driving forces in making the Australian kind of what it is now, mm. said at the time, I'm very surprised to see them writing about Louise that way. She was, I always thought she was great. Like, it's it was very odd, is how he mm. put it. Which, if he's going, it's very odd. You know, you've really, like, overstepped some boundaries. Um, I guess there's, there's so much in this piece. The, the thing that kind of really struck me is, um, and what, what Louise Milligan told my colleague John Buckley in Crikey this week, was that... It's unbelievable that uh it takes that long for a finding to be well uh made. What of this what sort. sort
0: of um what sort of complaints do the press council generally respond to? Is it always Journalists uh, complaining about other journalists, or do they respond to no, they, they, complaints from, from the general public? It can be from the general
1: public. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and
0: how many findings do they tend to hand down a year? Because it just two years just does seem to be yeah. Uh, yeah. like it's. It was a pretty straightforward complaint.
1: You think so? You think so? Especially, especially in this context, where at the time senior news court people are saying, uh, I don't know if I mm. don't know about that one. And of course, what Milligan sort of pointed out was that that's just um, it's it's it was horrible for her, but she is. Relatively thick skin. She's a public figure. She has a lot of support around her. If you were just a person on the street, if you, if, or, or you were just a young journaler, who was subject to that kind of
0: yeah, yeah. Or someone who had happened to be plucked out of obscurity to be the media's kind of you know prior um, for that for that yeah, little full period guy for yeah, that week or absolutely. whatever it was.
1: Uh, can you imagine what that must have that would have been like? Mm. Uh, because, uh, because also, Louise Milligan knows that this, these things take a while. She knows she knows the flaws in the in the regulated system. If you just thought that your system, your complaint had been lost in the system or wasn't mm-hmm. that important, again, you'd be in real danger of Yeah, and I, so I mean, this goes back. This there's a long history of. Uh, one of the things that, that uh, Milligan said was that this really shows the need for a, a more robust and more independent uh, press regulator. I think it's really important. People don't realize, and everyone sort of takes an intake <laughs> of breath when you tell them this. The people who fill the press council's coffers the people who pay for it to exist in the first place are the people it's regulating mm. uh it's only paid you, you you are only covered by the press council if you choose as a publication to become a member and give them money
0: so if the australian wasn't a member they wouldn't listen to a they wouldn't respond to a complaint against the australian
1: uh no they wouldn't be regulated. well the australian the, Australia, the, the press <laughs> Council would have no uh jurisdiction to to ask them to do anything. So, oh, and you asked me before what terrible, terrible price will the Australian have to pay for this? They have to publish the adjudication at, 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 at an equivalent level of um, uh, prominence as the original piece was.
0: So there's no fine, or no, they
1: have no power to to put forward any fines. And also, the, so, the... so
0: it's the bad press. That's all they get, basically, because it has been it has been covered by. You know various parts of the press. This sure, week. so sure. that's it. That's that's and two so that years the, later. That's yeah, what you get.
1: That's and that's the calculus that, that they were. I mean, and and, and there's a long history with this stuff. I mean, the, the the press council from time to time, and it's particularly true of the Australian. But 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 all all. Publications but the, the West Australian in twenty twelve simply revoked their membership. They just left. They walked out. So they're no longer covered. So
0: you can't complain about that or
1: if you complain well, the, the about the press council can't do anything about about that <laughs> oh, little, ridiculous little situation. Much. So
0: really for journalists, if they don't want to pursue defamation yeah, yeah, yeah. against another you know, which which as Which we, we on, s-
1: on a principle level, you you could argue. I mean I, I unless I was accused of some horrific crime I hadn't committed, <laughs> I would never sue another journalist. I no. just that's not how I would um I'm, I'm in trouble now that I've said that. Well, not only does it take but, two but it's years, a it
0: costs you a huge amount. Yeah, exactly, of money. exactly.
1: It's a, it's a matter of principle on mm. on a lot of levels. Um, uh, if I'm going to argue against it in print, I should probably try and live up to those those sorts of um, uh, live up to that. But but like the, so, the other thing is is that. The, uh, a, a publication can simply pointedly, if they think it's not a fair adjudication, and both News Corp and uh, now Nine former Fairfax papers have in the past simply refused to publish those adjudications. Oh. And again, there's 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 no there's no recourse there. There's mm. nothing that the Press Council can really do. Um, what a they, they have They have, they have <laughs> Well, they have been beefing up their their um their rules a little bit. Like you can't just in 2012 when the West Australian left, I think it was like they just announced it and they were gone. Now you can't. Stop paying your fees for like another. You've got to like give them four years' notice before you can leave. So there's, that's you know, and there's there's a few more things about like the guidelines. They've, they've, they've got more now guidelines about say things like domestic violence or suicide reporting. I mean, we all we're sort of aware of that, and that's that has I think had concrete and improvements in the way that the mainstream media deals with these things. But it's still, it's still, uh, yeah, it, it it is a hamstrung organisation in terms of the fact that it uh, relies on. It's like if you were the police, but you could only, the only funding the police got was from the mafia. <laughs> you, you know, there'd be some issues. And we've seen, you we know, we've seen you could arguably say that's happened sometimes in history, but. Um, <laughs> yeah so it does show that there's like there 's a long history of kind of 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 issues with the press council, and this has kind of raked them all to the the um
0: does it do pit. anything else what else is, what is the point of the press council
1: <laughs> <laughs> well i, I think we 've pretty much covered it <laughs> okay, but also like, i mean there was a period in like two thousand hundred and fourteen when the australian didn 't just decide to uh, refused to publish adjudications, it decided to go on a bit of a vendetta against the then chairman, Julian Disney, and, oh, and, and wrote about twenty pieces about him over a couple of weeks, uh, and basically, you know, accusing him of all manner of conflicts of interests, of poor, uh, you know, uh, poor performance in the role, and things like that. So, the the, the power really is all with the publications with these things. Ah, uh, this country. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Let's, uh, let's move on to a, a, an even more bleak and dismal topic playing out in the media at the moment. Triple ah! Last week, I think it was on Sunday, Channel 7 News ran a spotlight program that seemed lifted directly from the anti-trans propaganda playbook. It was titled Detransitioning and heavily promoted as, and I'm going to do the voice, the most controversial spotlight story this year. <laughs> <laughs> Writer, activist, and critic <laughs> Natalie Felix responded with a piece that was subheaded with a quote from one reaction to the show, and I quote: "I fucking despise you, Channel Seven, and what you have done to trans people in this country." Natalie joins us now to expand on this thesis. <laughs> Welcome to the Triple R Studio, Natalie. Hello, <laughs> it's great to be here. <laughs> For anyone who missed this low point in television journalism in this country, can you give us an overview of this um, this story, the spotlight story? Ah. Oh god um
2: the thing that like really got me about it was like um the abc recently did like a lot of you know other like questionable like news stories on you know trans topics especially when talking about trans kids Mm. and um they always try to like provide a semblance of balance Mm. which is like basically saying that like you know one one you know half says like oh we should give trans kids healthcare and the other half says no we shouldn't we should just let them die um so that was the abc and
0: <laughs> yeah that, trans- was a, that was a four corners episode yeah. <laughs> uh, presented by patricia Cavellas earlier this year that did just that and you, there were trans um stories on it uh, yeah. trans kids were represented but then when it did when but then the, we also when, have to hear
2: what the hate group exactly yeah. <laughs> and when
0: the pendulum swung it just became very difficult to yeah, watch, yeah. This was a different kettle. This of was fish. a different
2: one in the fact that it didn't even try to seem balanced. It mm. was just well, the title
0: uh, gives it away a little yeah, bit.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, it was literally like I, I was expecting it to be like a bit more measured because I know that traditionally in Australia, um, the public is very much like in support of trans rights and everything like every poll that equality australia or whoever else has done has said like they think that trans people deserve rights they think that trans people deserve too much discrimination so i was expecting it to be like a lot more measured Mm. and make it more palatable to the australian audience but it looked like it was straight out of fox news Mm. like it literally was that bad (laughs) it was really daunting for like me to watch and I'm like you know this is like white noise to me like a lot of I get a lot of you know anti-trans attention on Twitter and places like that but Mm. like this really struck me as like so vicious Mm. and relentless and how hard it was pushing a really toxic and just false narrative um it do you want me to go through yeah, yeah. yeah um it featured um three like um people who uh, detransitioners, who are people who like have transitioned um, and identified as a gender that uh, they're not assigned to, um, and then go back and revert back to their assigned gender, um, all of whom um, are known in anti-trans circles, shall mm. we say? Because traditionally, like detransitioners, tend to remain part of the queer community, but these are people who have not done that. They have decided to like push a anti-trans narrative Mm. um yeah sorry you go
0: no i was gonna i was gonna ask um with with that with those three stories and you're saying that they they are well known to the trans community was Mm. there any effort made to have a a trans voice represented
2: no Mm. uh the only trans voices represented were through like montages of TikTok videos, which strike struck me as very interesting given the fact that one of the things that this like piece was trying to push was that, you know, social media is coming after your kids and they're gonna trans your kids and stuff. And TikTok already has like such a scare campaign against it with, you know, like I can't believe there are calls to ban it in Australia. It's just so wild. But like, you know, like I think that they chose to represent the the trans, like, the happy trans person only through TikTok videos deliberately to show, like, how much we're, like, you know... You know, trendy for your kids. Kids and always of... on their screens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I know. It's just, just you can, as so though you can, you can catch being, you can catch trans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, literally. Like a virus. Yeah. But, and the irony of that as well is, so they used their own voiceover over this video footage and um, before it had even aired, they had to rush out a quick re-edit as trans woman Grace Highland was one of those yeah. um, TikTokers who came out with her, another video uh, saying <laughs> that footage of her had been used without a consent and Yeah. That she was misrepresented as having regretted um, her transition and which is clearly and pat- she clearly does patently extremely false but they
2: couldn't say that in the piece because I mean how would that sit with the rest of the piece like oh actually there are people who transition as kids who love it
0: <laughs> so with, um, with your piece you said this was a typical example like yeah. it was you know 100 percent a typical example of anti-trans propaganda it's very much about protecting kids isn't it this propaganda it's all about um, there are kids who are at risk, and the you know the trans community are coming for them for yeah, them or so... is, is that the, is that the angle that they that they are always pushing
2: yeah, so the thing that really strikes me about how they push this is like um this piece in particular was obviously the target audience they were going for was parents, hence like they also got um a bunch of like really awful parents who had a connection to. <laughs> Um, the um, hate group Binary Australia. Oh God! Yeah, <laughs> um, um... who also appeared in the Four Corners. But at least in the Four Corners episode, they disclosed that connection in this in this particular piece. The the fact that this concerned mother had previously, like, been interviewed by Vineyard Australia was not
1: disclosed. Had she previously been a concerned mother about marriage equality when they were losing that debate? Yeah, I I don't know. She, she, um, yeah, but she told the story of of her
2: um, son who um, was not referred to as her son in in the piece, Um, just talking about how, um, you know, like... The, the idea that they're pushing is that, you know, your kid is depressed and we're going to take advantage of your kid being depressed and tell them that transitioning is going to solve all of their problems, which I think is really funny. The fact that, you know, the the suggestion that they're putting forth is the fact that the solution to this has to be take away all trans healthcare rather mm, than...
0: That's what they're going
2: after. Yeah, that's what they're going after. Um, rather than... Why don't we like help kids become less depressed?
0: <laughs> yeah. Why don't we expand... Why don't we solve the climate crisis? <laughs> Why don't we make healthcare available to children and move on and have a nice life? Yeah. Uh, um, obviously, Spotlight do or Channel Seven do have a history of um, of, of pretty interviewing
2: questionable people.
0: <laughs> Yeah, we were um, Charlie and I were going through a roll call of, of them before we like, the oh, show. Oh God, the Blair Cottrell thing! Yeah, yeah, like, oh yeah, you know, like, oh, Bruce Lerman. Oh yeah, movie. no, that was just I mean, recently as well. That's yeah, yeah.
1: what that's what really made me laugh about it. The most controversial, like you interviewed Bruce Lerman a few months well, ago. Did
2: you see like their most their new promo is literally <laughs> saying this is the most emotional story? of oh. You're <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, what have you got coming up in December? Like, it's just going to be nothing because we've
1: we, <laughs> we peaked too soon. <laughs> but actually I suppose that does bring us to like what what how can the media do this better? How can they engage with topics that are difficult and require nuance and and and, and sort of uh what's the word I'm looking for here? Kind of uh, I suppose a certain grace to them.
0: Or talking um, to trans people. Like why well, is it so hard? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Like like how would you yeah, what, what, would, what do? What does the media it? have to do to, like, yeah, no, we don't want to put it on you just to solve the whole thing, but well, like, what
2: do the media need to do better? I, I think it's great that you just played a whole heap of Simona Kashakim because I think the solution there is boost to trans artists, to be honest. Like, <laughs> yeah. And Simona Kashikim is a fantastic example of that. Um, because, yeah, like, part of the reason why this propaganda works and part of what they're relying on is the fact that so many people um, in, like, particularly the United States and the United Kingdom, Australia, less so, but um, don't know what a trans person is. Like, they like, they want to push a narrative of what a trans person is, like, what a trans woman is who is, like, you know, sexually voracious and just wants to go into women's bathrooms because it's, like, that's so hot, right? Um, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Um, and People have that fantasy, <laughs> right? Come on. <laughs> and, you know, trans, trans men are just, like, oh, you know, poor, you know, like, helpless women who just, you know, want to escape patriarchy and rather than, you know, solve patriarchy, we're going to, like, make sure that, you know women can't become men, so to speak. Um, But, like, if we actually, like, put an idea in people's heads of the reality of what trans people are, then this propaganda is going to become a lot less effective.
0: You can't demonise someone who's actually not, yeah. not threatening at all, yeah, like just another person.
2: Like, I think that that's one of the reasons why this hasn't been as successful in Australia as it has been in places like the UK and the US, because Carlotta has been around for ages. Mm. We have Georgie Stone. She's, you know, mm. like, well-respected and loved and adored and she's been on Neighbours and she's done fantastic work and, like, she's really well-known. And, like, having had all those, like, really, like... Really good stories that have been like pushed in the media. I wish we could go back to that, but like, you know, um, I can't remember which TV show it was that did that piece on um, Georgie Stone. I-
1: there was... Australian a, yeah, story. A people, yeah, yeah. Australian yeah. story, yeah. A, few people, a few people, yeah. people highlighted. Yeah, stuff,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember watching that when I was a kid and that hit me very hard. Mm. <laughs> um, helped me work out a few feelings of my own. Um, but,
0: <laughs> well, that's yeah. that's amazing. If it, like, that shows the power of a yeah, positive exactly. story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
2: just, you know, not just a, like, a trans story, but a trans girl being so well supported and mm. being so powerful enough to be, like, to go to the court and be, like, this system has to change. Mm. Is just, is just amazing. And, like, um, we need more of that, like, in Australia because there are so many, like, powerful, talented trans people doing, like, fantastic work in politics, in media, in the arts, whatever. There are, like, there's, you know, I wish there were more, like, trans fiction stories, mm. like, written by trans writers, you know, in
0: bookshops. Or just it, in streaming shows. Yeah. And- just normalising it across all different media channels. It's interesting, yeah. um, you know, we mentioned Simona Castricum. She's, of, of course, a, um, a lecturer at uh, – an academic at Melbourne University. Yeah. Um, and there were a number of pieces earlier in the year uh, by a certain Chip LeGrand. Who oh,
2: <laughs> yeah, no, he, he said he wasn't going to write about trans stuff. He, he's I mean, going to write
0: about something else for a while. And then next week <laughs> he pumped out two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the, I did a, a thing, uh, an event with Simona earlier in the year at the Wheeler Centre, and she did sort of talk about there's that conflict of if you don't trust uh, a media outlet that wants to come to you for comment. You know, and there's a lot of reasons to feel unsafe in in those environments. That you'll be misrepresented, that you'll be misquoted, that you'll be, um, you know, that or you'll like
1: seen to legitimise a sort of hateful yeah, story. You'll, you'll, yeah.
0: If you and so a lot of time, um, trans people will say no to appear in mainstream media stories yeah. because they don't know how they're going to get represented. But then that means the voices. Uh, then absent from a lot of these scenes what, yeah. what what would your response to that be yeah,
2: I mean, it just depends on who you 're talking to like um, like it wouldn 't surprise me if um spotlight like reached out to a bunch of like trans activists to try to get like a controversial hard hitting interview <laughs> like like Liam Butler did with um dr e m um, he's he's an amazing doctor i wish i could remember his name in hickey yeah, yeah mm-hmm. thank you <laughs> yeah no shout out to him like for appearing on yeah. that that was really really brave to stick up for the trans kids who um
0: and the way know. he did it so forcefully too, yeah, he just tore shreds Refused that, to yeah. Be bullied, yeah i yeah. loved the anger cuz yeah. it was it, it what it said was like what are you doing yeah it was just
2: calling calling the um interviewer out on his bullshit straight mm. up and that's just incredible just being like how dare you not include happy stories which are the vast majority like mm. just for like context like the number of people who regret going through like medical transition is so low much lower than equivalent medical procedures so
0: more people there was a study done in the states and more um more people like by a country mile regret um knee surgery
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: Uh, And other very sort of minor uh, joint surgeries. Yeah,
2: interesting how those statistics (laughs) didn't appear in the piece. You would have thought, like, you can just do a simple Google (laughs) and figure that out and yet, you know, (laughs) experienced investigative journalist (laughs) Liam Bartlett somehow missed that one. I'm sure
0: that he's going to make a very swift correction. He'll
1: be kicking himself, (laughs) I tell you kicking himself
0: well yeah it's something like way it's well <laughs> under two or one percent isn't it of people yeah. who regret transitioning yeah and
2: often that is because of social pressure mm. like i know quite a few detransitioners myself there are people who just decide it's not for them mm. and that's totally fair mm. um but usually it's because oh i'm living in freaking alabama or yeah. florida and this is just not safe for me. Yeah. Which is so sad. Yeah. And if anything, that's the story yeah. that we should be focusing on, not oh, TikTokers brainwashing
0: children. Yeah, 100%, 100%. <laughs> and what are the um some of the real world kind of outcomes of shows like this? I did read a post um from someone uh, on Reddit saying, Thanks for nothing, Channel 7. I have a daughter in her very late oh, teens who started transitioning. God, it broke my heart. I know, after she turned 18. Anyway, I won't read the whole to- to- uh, post, but after that spotlight episode aired, she went to her class at TAFE. It came up as a topic of conversation, and basically, she ended up in a situation where it was her voice. Um, against an entire pile-on from her uh, TAFE class, including the teacher, and she decided not to go back to TAFE. Mm. And that's just one very small story. Um, so the, there are real-world impacts. Yeah, they, yeah, they absolutely
2: it, are. Um, what,
0: what does it do to watch something like this or see this conversation play out in the media for vulnerable young people who this show is ostensibly so concerned for? Yeah,
2: Um I mean, that's why I'm really glad that we have, like, you know, outlets like this where we can, like, talk about it and try to, like, say, you know, like, (laughs) it's not that bad, fortunately. Um, And we need, like, other methods through which we can actually sell the truth about what the Mm. trans experience is to people who, like, (sighs) the thing is is that I do think that most people who watch this are well-meaning. And I think that Channel 7 know that too, which is one of the reasons why they, like, decided to push their really intense transphobic propaganda, like, saying things like, you know... I don't, I can't even count how many times in that piece they said the same thing, like, you know, it's just not possible for humans to change sex, which, I'm sorry, it's just not true. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I, like, you know... I dread to think about, like, the effects that, like, we don't even know about, like, what that piece did because I know like I was just saying earlier that like as someone who is quite familiar with like all this propaganda that piece really did impact me Mm. and caused me to be quite depressed for the next day or so after I watched it Mm. and like writing the article that I did was like really difficult but like I try to focus less on that and more trying to find solutions about what we can do because the reality Mm. is that um trans people are the social pariah of the, you know, the far right at the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, <clears throat> this isn't anything new from, like, Channel 7. Like, I don't know if um, most people remember, but, like, I remember when I was growing up, Today, tonight was regularly so blatantly racist on Maine. <laughs>
0: it was, I, yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we were chatting this morning, you were saying it was on all the time in your house, like your parents were watching yeah. it. Yeah. And even, <laughs> as, a, even yeah. as a child, you were like, uh, hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I'm I, sorry, but like, I don't really think that, you know. We should be talking... We should, like, try to scare people about, like, oh, Australia's going to be swamped by Asians mm. or whatever. Yeah. Like, come on.
0: Yeah, of course. Like, yeah.
2: <laughs> of course.
0: Those those old hits. Yeah, and this
2: is the exact same thing. Like, you know, the, the trans ideology is trying to capture your child. We're trying to create a new generation of, like, you know, confused kids who are, like, oh, I'm just having surgeries and everything. And I just, like, find that just so... Like, the level of dehumanisation, not Mm. just in the kids that they think that they are that susceptible Mm. to that kind of thing, when we're just, like, if anything, the TikToks that they showed were literally just trying to, like, empower more depressed kids who already had transitioned, Mm. who needed to push through, like, what can very be an incredibly rough childhood, especially if your parents aren't supportive. But, like, the idea that, like, trans people don't want kids to be happy like I am aware that there are probably instances where you know detransition happens and I want those kids to be happy and safe Mm. as much as I want all the 98% of kids who do transition to be happy and safe I'm not like so heartless and cruel that I just think well you're just an anomaly you can go fuck yourself like you know like we all want kids to be happy and safe but like if you're not presenting the truth of, like, the truth of the facts around detransition and things like that, then what is your goal here? Mm. Because it clearly isn't to impart the truth.
1: Uh, Along similar lines, now, So well said, nonetheless. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, Yeah, very well put. Um, You do mention, though, um, uh, the the conclusion of your piece that that for all the attention that this kind of garbage does get, there are actually tons of much better stories out there that yeah. people can watch. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Tell us, like, if our listeners want to find some good content on this kind of topic, yeah, um, um, where they might go.
2: Yeah, no, trans representation in the media is coming such a long way and I'm so happy to be a part of it. I just, I feel so honoured to be a part of it. Um, like... You know, when um when I came out, like one of the only examples of like trans representation is just like, oh, you know, keeping up with the Kardashians or whatever. But like nowadays we have um First Day on the ABC, which is a story about um a young trans girl going to high school and like um just, you know, finding friends, finding female friendships. And I just find that so beautiful. Just the idea of like finding female friendships as like a trans girl is just like such an such a thing that like more people should talk about because mm-hmm. it is like such a beautiful experience and then you have like you know in the US like you have euphoria um which has you know Hunter Schafer who is awesome you know just being like another character in a story um who happens to be trans who happens to watch Madoka Magica <laughs> like i just yeah like um There's so much, like, fiction out there that I think um, really needs to... We really need to support even more and try to get, like, a lot more of it out there because, like, this is a golden opportunity to, like, give trans people and trans kids so much more hope and so much more of, like, what they can see themselves in and know that they can, like, be beautiful Mm -hmm. and, like, have, like, normal friendships and have, like, typical, like, high school experiences and all that kind of stuff. Um, And in terms of, like, real-life stories, like there's just so much like just reading stuff on twitter about like how you know like or watching tiktok the thing that we're supposed to be scared of (laughs) like you have so many like iconic stories of just people like finding their identity through like the most innocuous things and Mm. just like finding empowerment in just silly things like just going to the shops or whatever just like you know just because like the world is, like, terrifying for, like, a young trans kid. Like, the, you have, like, Nazis appearing on the yeah. steps of Melbourne Parliament, like, attacking us for, like, for what just existing, mm. you know?
0: And the irony of that is it, those sorts of moments of protest, uh, the the real public moments of solidarity for trans oh, communities yeah, no, and that, allies Oh, yeah, the too. Trans
2: Day of Visibility, I swear to God, is one of the happiest days of this year. Like, mm. I did not expect... Um, it to be that well received and it to be that intense a message. Yeah, not just like in Australia, but like across the world. Like the moments like that, where like everyone is like happy and not ashamed at all to just be like, "No, we're sticking up for for trans people." Mm. Are just like, oh, iconic. Yeah.
0: And what would you say to <clears throat> any young trans listeners or and their families <laughs> who might have seen that freaking spotlight and are feeling, you know, a little bit? Yeah. Um, a little bit shitty about it this week. Oh, I
2: was right there with you. Yeah. And And, um, yeah, I just, um, yeah, I want you to know that, like, there are so, like I was just saying, there are so many, like, great other stories that you can um, tune into, which, again, like, show that there is so much support for us out there. Um, I know how it feels right now, but there are, like, there are trans artists creating great art. Like, um, yeah. there's... um just think of so many trans musicians out there as june well Jones, june Mona Jones, rosie rye yeah. manny blue yeah JBG. Just, yeah like um and you know like internationally ethel kane and 100 gex and mm. and people like that um i saw ethel kane earlier this week; she was awesome <laughs>
0: um so basically just find your bubble yeah and cut and block out the rest. yeah yeah like
2: unfortunately the reality is that there is going to be a lot more of it out there like um Chloe Cole is making a lot of money. Oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> and...
0: yeah, exactly. There, I, there, it's worth mentioning, just before we let you go, there yeah. is a um, petition now, isn't there, to um, to have that oh, yes, show so f- taken down? Yeah, yeah,
1: we reported this in Craig. Oh, I obviously. didn't even know about that. Uh... I'm
0: so, so happy you mentioned that to me. I'm going to sign that as soon as I can. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, a, a Fremantle-based musician uh, called uh, St South um, yeah. put it out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so well, I think um, there's
0: about 30,000 Yeah, yeah, it's it's, now. It's, it's
1: it's 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 been good, yeah. Um but there there some of their images were also used without their permission and that's what the right, yeah. images were. No, yeah. there
2: were so many. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, people yeah. who are used without their permission. And It's just so like again, like the the audacity and the and the recklessness and just the 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 entitlement. I guess is the better word to so just over all these images and stories. It's just like mm. you're clearly not about safeguarding
0: anyone. Guy. I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there was an American um, TikToker has released a video saying they were used on it and yeah against their knowledge. So they're literally just ripping off random people's videos. And the other thing that they do is. I always age them down. There's a lot oh, of yeah. people, you know, who might transition in their in their 20s and they always age them down, call them children as well. It's right. just yeah, so yeah, insidious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, a, uh, there's also All the Heterosexual Nonsense I Was enforced to, Forced to Endure, a fantastic sub stack. Um, and Please
1: subscribe. Yeah, subscribe. <laughs> and, subscribe and, yeah. <laughs> and throw them some DOSH if you can. It's a great, yeah. it's a great publication. As
0: well as um, Nellie's piece, there is a piece by Madison Stoff uh, <laughs> that is published, I think, today, wasn't it? Um, there's a, and it's titled There's a Reason Shows Like Channel 7 Spotlight Artificially Overrepresent Detransitioners in the Media to Undermine the Existence of yes. Trans Healthcare.
2: Um, uh, really good trans journalist who I'd like to um draw everyone's attention to is Erin Reed who is American um and she um was made aware of this piece like that's how insidious and bad yeah. it was that it was getting attention from America um and she put all the facts on um detransitioners and um she did a lot of amazing work in making sure that people knew the facts and also knew what to do if you felt really overwhelmed by all of that and um yeah the other thing i guess that everyone needs to remember who was impacted by that story was the truth is on our side
0: Mm.
2: and there's nothing that anyone from channel 7 or whoever else can do about that
0: We've been talking to Natalie Felix in the studio. Thank you so much for coming in, Natalie. It's been such a great conversation. And you can read her piece, A 7 News Spotlights episode on detransitioners is a lesson in how anti-trans propaganda is spread. On that substack, we'll name it again, all the heterosexual nonsense (laughs) I was forced to endure. (laughs) Charlie, a bunch of... um, Rabble rousing pharmacists <laughs> interrupted Parliament this week. Um, I don't know much about it because it didn't get much coverage. I saw some sort of passing mentions of it, and um I believe you think that is um worth worth talking about.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean I don't know how I live up to that intro. Um, I meant
0: to say that in a different way. <laughs> that is the point of talking about it. The yeah, fact yeah no, that I, it didn't get attention. Well yeah,
1: I mean that, that so it really did strike me that um so so for, 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 and again it is a real blink and you'll miss it story this week. Uh during um question time on Monday I believe it was. Uh a group of protesting pharmacists uh, basically disrupted question time so people weren't able to get their answers out because they were heckling and shouting obscenities at various mps um uh, so
0: were were they just in the public gallery yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah. um do you get thrown out if you heckle you do get you you do get asked to leave you you get told but the the speaker's like i will remind you that you're there to to watch and not participate
0: set the scene are they in their white chemist over
1: like um overcoats? some of them were i don't know if all of them were um but yeah like,
0: and berating yeah like
1: mark butler because there was uh sort of changes that are being made to prescriptions about like yes. six-day yeah. uh, script and stuff like that um i think what just really struck me is that i was like if I'm that sure, had been
0: someone else well no
1: i mean not not that you don't have to be um uh, hypothetical about it when it's someone else uh. Uh, so Back in – so I wrote about this and, and back in 2016, December 2016, you may remember this because this did get a lot of coverage, um, a group of refugee advocates did mm. the same thing um, in parliament. They they did, to be fair, go a, a step further. They, they glued their hands to the banister. I don't know if you guys remember that. Um,
0: I, love a, I love a good hand gluing.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Democracy was in the sticky hands of the, the refugee movement. Um, and you, you – you could not get away from that for a yeah. couple of days. The, um, the outrage. Not, not only, not only from uh, the media, but also the political class. Really, mm. you know. So, is uh, it
0: disrespecting Parliament? Yeah, or?
1: yeah. So. Um, the uh, Senator James McGraw, who's a bit of a uh, culture warrior, he used to work for Boris Johnson actually back in the day, uh, who's an LNP senator now, um, he said that the gr- these grubs should be made to pay for those damages and have the book thrown at them. Uh, Chris Pine said it was the worst thing that had happened in uh, Parliament for like the last 20 years. Right. Um, since And he made a point of saying since those unionists rioted in 96. Um, but also uh, Dennis Shanahan in The Australian wrote about how uh, such behaviour has like fascist roots and that the oh forced suspension God. of parliament is a premeditated premeditated, risk to the public and designed to maximize the attention while threatening and bullying MPs. The shutting down of dem- democratically elected MPs by a noisy minority has a dark history and fascist roots. Um, Greg Sheridan um, wrote that uh, it was a, a childish and undemocratic, undemocratic um Demonstration. Um, the invasions of parliament are bad for democracy, and they should be unreservedly unreser- condemned by all democrats. So this is like so, um, it's affecting the very roots of democracy to disrupt question time when it's groups that are advocating on behalf of refugee. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but so and they they had it also parasailed. Again, on absled, sorry, down the the side of the building and stuff, which is like a pretty mild form of disruption. But anyway, um, but in this case, like you have not only do you have like one three hundred word story in the Oz, and then a couple of, and some coverage in the nine papers as well, but like pr- but but fairly fairly modest. Yeah. Um, in this case, when they started yelling, the the members of the opposition of the coalition were pointing to them and g'ing them up and encouraging them. And when, oh, when they had massed Encouraging
0: out, the pharmacists.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they had massed outside the... Because there was also like a protest going on outside the building. Uh, Susan Lay, the uh, deputy opposition leader, went and spoke to them and encouraged them and said, I want you guys to, you know, at question time, many of you will be there. We look forward to having you there because the last time you were there, you made a really strong impression. Your presence in the gallery made the government uncomfortable, so don't take a backward step. Um, which is interesting and wow. all, I mean, also it does it all, like, so I remember the other thing that really noted, I noticed like yeah there was a bunch of commentary pieces this went for like three days of like commentary pieces editorials news reporting on the refugee advocates in 2016, one of the things they did was they got a cu- column called Cut and Paste, which is a, similar to kind of t- Tips and Murmurs in some ways. There's a lot of like, they said this this time, but then they're doing this kind of thing. Yeah. It's like a little, little quick kind of things. And they were pointing out how all the Greens, who were very supportive of the refugee advocates, were like hypocrites because two years earlier, or how, no, no, sorry, in 2011, when there was the uh, Julia uh, ditched the witch oh, stuff,
0: yeah.
1: you know, they were all condemning that because Tommy Abbott went out and spoke to those guys and encouraged them as well. So it's just eerily interesting the different coverage. That different voices get in this well, it's, country. It's al-
0: also interesting talking. Well, sorry, you finished because I'm going to move somewhere else.
1: All but... I was going to say is that the the I mean, and the, the, the it's particularly stark in this case because if you if you look at the like absolute pearl clutching and hand wringing that happened about refugee advocates who have on any level kind of n- mostly failed to shift the dial of policy very much in the last mm. 20 years I don't think and I mean, there's been there's been some successes but but largely it's been a it's been a losing battle um whereas pharmacists are covered by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia who are one of the most powerful and influential uh lobby groups in the entire country, mm. so it's weird that they have this slight. Like, surely, if anyone should be allowed to protest, it should be the group that doesn't have access to that kind of power. But
0: yeah, well, they probably had just been walking through the halls of parliament five minutes earlier and then walked into well, the
1: well, yeah, the well, public pretty, gallery. Pretty much, but they did sort of say, "Look, this is not part of our deal." He didn't say it in those words. But he said, we, "We've we've been talking to the Farmers' Guild. Oh, we under w- the understanding this sort of thing wasn't <laughs> going to happen for a while." Like,
0: oh wow, but uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's interesting that the media didn't react to that, but they have. Re- Reacted to the um, although some quarters that you would expect um, uh, in Murdoch media have reacted to the Walkley's protest and as a lot of the cartoonists said it couldn't be a more mild protest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you you know a bunch of cartoonists have just said, "Yeah, I'm not going to enter this awards this year. Mm. Uh, I don't feel good about it I'm being sponsored by a um, by a fossil fuel comp- company, especially when there is no climate reporting award." And then Osman Faruqi obviously revealed um, in his column on the weekend the, that actually the founder of the Walkley was Warclays a white Australia guy was a massive racist. <laughs> um, uh, and that has had a lot of pushback. People just not wanting to enter awards apparently is a more vociferous protest <laughs> than shouting down, disrupting parliament. But I love um, this headline, Loonig slams cartoonist futile Walkley's boycott. One of the nation's top cartoonists says his colleagues should voice their climate change views through their illustrations. Does yeah. he not see the irony? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I, I mean, they, they would all argue that that's they are, they are currently doing so. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they are clearing the field, obviously, for Mark Knight to pick up another one. So
0: that's all we've got time for. Thank you so much. Uh, bye for now.
1: And that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. You can find us every week on your favorite podcast platform,
0: and you can follow us on Twitter at Nadzamble at Lily Juice
1: and at The Shuffle Diary.
0: You can also listen in at rrr.org.au via On Demand for the radio version of the show. Want to support Spin Cycle? Become a R subscriber. Your subscription helps keep the station running and helps R produce and create great radio and podcast content like this.